0: yo everybody welcome back to the podcast what's going on everybody all right first of all amazing news um because i know i didn't do a podcast saturday i didn't make it i don't think i made an audio podcast saturday but if i did i don't know i'm getting up there in age so like my memory is just like completely completely just getting shot um but let me just say this and yeah i'm Kind of a little sidetracked here because I just got done um, Editing a video for the YouTube channel But speaking of the YouTube channel I just hit 11,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel So that's a pretty, pretty, pretty Pretty solid uh, achievement Um, And I want to thank Everybody Everybody that is a part Of the community The SMT community Especially for for all their Support and help And you know just It's amazing And let me tell you guys this um, I was told that my channel would never amount to anything. I was told that I would at best get maybe 100 subscribers. And and this was told to me um, nine years ago. Nine years ago when I launched the channel on YouTube. I was told this nine years ago. If I could be afforded to share with you guys a little bit of a story here. Um, so I, I was told that it wasn't going to be crap. It, 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 It wasn't wasn't going to go anywhere because, you know, I I didn't have the face for YouTube. I didn't have the voice for YouTube. Um, I was too overly critical. I spoke too much. Um, I rambled on. I I ventured left field, right field, and never really stayed a a straight course with every episode. I was told that at best, at best, out of luck, that I would be at 500 subscribers and nothing more. Well, to the person that said that to me, um, come back to the channel now because <laughs> you know every subscriber that I get on YouTube, every listener that I get here on the podcast it's it's it feels like getting a million subscribers, a million listeners, even though it's just one. so you guys can understand just how how special that one person is to me every time. That someone plays a video to watch, or somebody clicks the subscribe button on YouTube, or somebody is on here, on their favorite podcast source, subscribing to my podcast and listening to future episodes. Like, one, just one, feels like a million. I will say that. So anyways, guys, let's kick things off. With a really, really cool episode here. So hold on, let me just kind of get comfortable here because like my foot is like all over the place and I'm trying to be right by the microphone. And I know my chair is squeaky. So I sorry for that. Sorry, 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 sorry. All right. So let's let's go in. Let's go into what I want to talk about today. Because as you guys know me very well, I you know, I I make topics on YouTube and I bring those topics here to the podcast because here I can actually speak. I'm not censored by YouTube and its algorithm and all its quirkiness, right? Like here I can say what I want to say. And so I'm going to basically be going over the age old argument, Android versus iOS to an extent, because it is pretty clear that there, you know, the reason that this subject keeps happening, the reason why this keeps happening is because there are people who just don't know the other side, like they think they do. So, okay, let me just kind of make this clear. So there are people on the Android side who read a lot, see a lot, may have played around with it just a little bit, um, a little bit with iOS. So they think they know everything about it, and then they don't. And it's on the other side too. There are diehard Apple fans who have used nothing but iOS, macOS, iPadOS, that think just because they read and see and have played around with Android they think they know everything about Android and they don't they don't one of the things that I started out my YouTube video with today because I'm actually doing a series of these on YouTube because it's going to be quite long whereas here on the podcast we can go for about as long as I want but I am also going to do this as a series on the podcast I know boo Like, give it to us now Like, I know I know um, but anyways, so let's kind of go in with the, the, the main thing that people love to use argument-wise. Um, the ability to utilize an Android phone and an iPhone without the need of cellular connectivity. This comes into play because a lot of people love to point into the direction how on the iPhone you have iMessage, you have FaceTime. You can utilize those things. You can call... Other iPhone users with FaceTime, you can message them with iMessage. And there's no need for cellular connectivity to do that. You just need Wi-Fi access. And then they turn around and they look at somebody who's debating them about Android. And they're like, ha, (laughs) ha, 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 your Android device can't do that. Well, Mr. Apple fanboy, I hate to bust your bubble, but Android devices can do that. Since been doing that. Okay, they've since been doing that since been doing that since been doing that since been doing that they've been doing it they've been doing it just, things have changed things have evolved a little bit i mean aloe is gone aloe is out of the equation so aloe is gone see uh at google io i think it was google io 2017 um they unveiled uh aloe and duo and these were going to be the competitors to imessage and facetime on the android side of things So not competitors as in competing to be dominant over iMessage and FaceTime. They were to be the equivalent for someone who was like, I'm tired of iOS. I'm tired of it. It's so boring. I'm going to Android. But when they get to Android, one of the things that, you know, it's, it's like when someone always tries something new, right? They always try to look for something similar within the something that's new. So that way they can kick off their experience to a good start. And Android wanted to fulfill that void by providing Allo, which was a chat messaging service. That was, um, you know, person to person. Utilizing a a, a Google account to Google account. And, you know, it was seamless. It was easy to use and it had a lot of cool features to it. And then you had Duo, which was video calling. Which would be the equivalent to like if you were back on iOS and you had FaceTime. So they had that. Although I'm disappointed in the fact that Google decided to kill Aloe and send it to the Google Graveyard. Amongst other services that I thought were like really handy and really nifty. We had Hangouts. And, 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 and Hangouts is good. I like Hangouts. I just feel like that with Duo being present, they should have completely removed the video chat capabilities in Hangouts. And just, you know, subbed that for Duo. Make that little video call icon button on Hangouts clickable still. But not launching an actual video calling feature within Hangouts. But having it launch Duo or baking Duo into Hangouts. That would have been a perfect scenario. But nothing is ever perfect in life. And so, with that being said, um, you know, there's Hangouts and there's Duo. And Duo, you can video call somebody because it's attached to your mobile number, but it's also attached to your Google account. So on Wi-Fi, you can still make video calls using Duo and be able to... um, to you know, call somebody that has duo. another cool thing about duo itself that they kind of implemented to make it more googly because that's what Google does. They take something they they you know they try to make it good, and then they add their googliness on top of it. So within duo nowadays, you can actually send little little um, video messages and you have the ability to play with filters and you know quirky things just to make it more fun, given that big shout out to duo for that i love using duo for video calls i don't understand why we haven't evolved to video calling more than phone calling but who knows maybe with maybe with the certain rise of 5g technology this is going to become the new norms and that is video calling because then you know what you know the best part is about about no video calling over phone calling is that you cannot lie on a video call that's the best part about it you cannot lie there's there's as listen to me. There's no lying on the video call because we can see your facial expression. We can tell if you're bsing us indefinitely. If you're trying to say that you're at home, we'll see that you're not at home. So that's why I think the evolution of video calling should be there. And yeah, that is a topic that I'm going to discuss later this week on the YouTube channel. But anyways, so in this scenario, I would say that um, Android kind of edges apple and ios because yeah facetime you can talk about it smooth it's 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 you know you just get this experience when you use it and then you got facetime and you can call other, other iphone users and get down and get you know whatever here's the thing all right let's for argument's sake let's say both platforms and both devices have to depend on their natural ecosystem well, then on, on, on Apple, all you can do is just call and text other iPhone users. And not everybody has an iPhone, right? You can go to the bar. You can go to the bar. You can meet that solid, smoking, hot-looking thing in the bar. And you could be like, give me your number, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm going to go for a hike on, on Friday, and I would love for you to join me so I could uh, work things out. <laughs> So she puts her number down, she writes it down on a slip of paper from the bar, gives you a kiss goodnight, walks away, and you guys part ways for the night, and you're so excited because you're going to message her. You know, you want to tell her you had a great time, and you plug her number into your contacts, you open up iMessage, you fire that sucker up, you are ready, you are like, you're like a fat kid with cake. And then all of a sudden, you see that the number stays green, it does not change to blue. Why does that happen? Apple fan boys and girls? You know why. You definitely, you know why it stayed green. It's because they're not using an iPhone. They're using an Android phone. How are you going to message that person now? Now, let's take this, let's take the, the, the same scenario and flip it the other way. Right? Can Android people achieve this yes and no yes and no because if the person using an iPhone that doesn't have cellular connectivity means they don't have a mobile number means that they're using their Apple ID account their Apple ID email address and if they're using that and you're on Duo there is no cross platform communication so, why do I say that Android does have a slight edge? Well, let's say the person did have a phone number that was connected to their Apple account. What what could be done? Let's let let's look at it from a different standpoint, okay? Let's do it in here. Now, let's open up let's open up the doors slightly a little bit and just say for for argument's sake, they're not, dependent, they're not dependent on their own ecosystem completely. Does Android users have to go outside of their ecosystem to get some sort of service that will help bridge between Android and iOS? To be honest, no. Because there's Google Voice. When you sign up for Google Voice, it gives you an actual mobile number. And in the Google Voice app, you can turn on the option where calls and texts are done through cellular data or Wi-Fi instead of it being carrier dependent. Now, go to the opposite side and is there any such services like that for Apple? No. You would have to download Google Voice or a third-party VOIP service that gives you a mobile number like TextNow or something like that To get you a number that someone can text and reach you at. But again, none of those services are native to the Apple ecosystem. They're not developed and built by Apple. Whereas Google Voice is built by Google. So this is where I say that Android kind of edges iOS on. Okay. As simple as that. So there is a way on the Android side to cross-platform communicate. Than there is on the Apple side. But of course, we're not we're not constricted to our native ecosystems. I'm just using that to emphasize a point here. It can be done on both sides. Okay, what you can do with iMessage and what you can do with FaceTime, you can definitely do that with Android, with Duo and Hangouts. It's possible. So for argument's sake, does that mean that you know iOS is better than Android? No. Well, let's go for let's go the extra mile on the, on these two things and talk. Let, let, let's talk about end-to-end encryption because now they want to compare iMessage to RCS messaging. They want to compare that. Because really, when it really comes down to these things and it comes down to the wars between both fanboys, and I'm calling out both fanboys, they love to try and find a reason to say that one is superior to the other one. So I hear end-to-end encryption on iMessage. It it, It can't be hacked. It can't be stolen. So they say. So they say. Well, first off, I haven't heard reports of any RCS messaging being intercepted and then reports going rampant about if you use Android and RCS, your messages are being ciphered. I don't know. End-to-end encryption? Mm. Yeah, it sounds good on paper. Sounds good when you can tell somebody that like go iPhone, don't go Android because RCS doesn't have, the, you know, end-to-end encryption, but um iMessage does. Okay. I guess that makes a great argument point, right? Right? Sounds good. Sounds good, but I mean who really cares? Who really cares of end-to-end encryption nowadays when everybody is sharing everything about them on social media? This would only come into play if you were, like, working for a company and any information shared you don't want your competitors to be able to grab. Because trust me, there is business-to-business espionage type stuff happening in the world today. I mean... Domino's spies on Pizza Hut. They they want that recipe. Vice versa, you know. So, I mean, you know, I'm 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 kind of throwing stuff out there, but I'm just saying. So, really, when it comes down to it, on the business aspect, you want that end-to-end encryption. You want that protection. You want that privacy, right? But to the to the average consumer out there, they don't care. Because if they cared about privacy, if privacy was the number one thing, and I'm sorry to say this, because this is going to this is going to negate everybody's thing when they get mad about their photos being used and the stuff that they share on Facebook being used. But if you want your stuff private, then don't share it online. Nothing is sacred on the internet. I always say this all the time. I should probably make shirts that says nothing is sacred on the internet. Because it's true. And, you know, at the end of the day, when people are sexting and all that kinds of stuff, they're, they're, they don't care. They're not thinking of, if I send this picture message, is it going to be is it going to be hacked and stolen is someone going to steal it from the moment i click send to the moment that that other phone receives it no they're hot and bothered they want to see some nudity they want to see some booty shaking that's what they want to see and so they don't care that's not crossing their mind it's just not i know i'm giving scenarios here and people are be like well you're giving scenarios and this and that and the third tito i mean come on now man come on now like yeah i know i know I know, I get, I'm getting scenarios that's not happening for every consumer out there. Not everyone's losing their virginity nowadays. But I am saying this the point that I'm making to that extent is that there, there are people that care about privacy when they want to think about it and then they don't really care. And you can't half-ass anything. It's either you're all in or you're not in at all when it comes to this. So end-to-end encryption. Okay, sounds good on paper. Does everyone care about it? No, they don't. So for argument's sake, they would have a leg to stand on if that's what every consumer cared about. They don't. They just don't. Let's take it to the next field. Let's take it to the um, older devices are supported. I love this one. I love this one in the argument all the time. This one is the funniest one that comes in all the time because you know what it is it is uh, hands down. I am not being sarcastic here. I'm saying this straight out. It's really cool that Apple takes the time to keep their old catalog of devices up to date because there are just there are people out there that you know they 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 live below the poverty line Let let's get real if you think this is funny, you're sick in the head. Stop laughing. There are people that you know, just can't afford to buy a phone. That one phone that they were able to save up for and buy, that's all they have for the next four or five years. So it's great that their devices are being supported. That I I give to Apple, always. I'll give that to Apple. I wish Android, you know, manufacturers would do the same things. And I'm talking about the fragmented companies such as LG, Motorola, and all them. I wish they would keep their back catalog of devices up to date. We know Pixels, Google Pixels, which is Google's actual hardware, we know that they're trying to you know um they're trying to mimic the same thing i mean pixel devices today get you know two major software supports and three years of security patch updates we know that being the exception to pixel one which got um three major software updates and just recently lost security patch update supports back in december 2019 was the last time it got one so um, we know that at least on Google and their hardware, Pixels, they're trying to do the same formula. Um, but let's let's look at it from the realization standpoint. Okay, so those people that are living below the poverty line are going to benefit from the, you know, six years of software update support. But to the average consumers, that doesn't matter at all. At all. But before I get into that a quick little message here from the sponsor, and then we'll get right back into the second half. And so we're back from that brief little message here. Now let's dive into why the average consumers really don't care or really utilize This whole six years software updates on back catalog devices. And and do do you guys really want to know why? Would you guys really, really want to know why? Because I'd be happy. I'm happy. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you guys to say if you want to know. Okay, 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 okay. All right, you twisted my arm. You twisted my arm. I'll tell you why. It's because everybody's more interested in upgrading every year. Every year, when the next iPhone comes out, they want to upgrade to it. Every year, when the next Samsung Galaxy S series comes out, they upgrade to it. Every year, a new Pixel comes out, the Pixel Geeks upgrade to it. They're upgrading every year. So the six years really matter. Does it really matter to the consumer out there? No, it doesn't. It's nice to know, though, that if you want to hold on to a device longer than a year, longer than two years, longer than three years, that you will have the most latest software update available to it. But there are other things that come into play as to why, even if you wanted to hold on to a device longer, why that becomes a problem. And we're talking about network evolution. Network evolution is the true reason why. It is the true reason why that you can't really hold on to a phone for too long. We're talking about various new spectrum released every year. Every year, new spectrum is released. New towers are being built. New signals being put out. And your device your device that you bought maybe three years ago may not be compatible. It may not have the mimo technology that's needed for faster and better experience. They may not have the aggregation needed for it to fly like a butterfly and sting like a bee. It may not have that, but I, I say this, I say this and you know, th- this is all part of the hamster wheel the dreaded Hampshire wheel that mobile technology has us on today. We are going to keep running on that wheel. Even though we think we're about to grab the cheese, we're not getting the cheese. We're not getting the bread. We're not getting none of that because evolution is the reason that we are forced to update to a newer device. If we want to have the best experience possible. And so because of that, because of that, you are, in a way, forced to having to upgrade if you want that. Now, if you don't care about that, then you're, you're good. You're good, but then after that, it's still going to come and bite you in the donkey hole again. Because you're going to look at somebody else who has a newer device and how they're able to utilize certain things and how they're able to maximize certain things and how they're able to do more things than you can. And you're going to be like, why? Why? And they're gonna be like, oh yeah, because I got the the latest, you know, blah 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 X forty four thousand that you know can download speeds of like, you know, one terabit per second per second per second. Um, I know I'm I'm making stuff up here on that part, right? Today we're really utilizing gigabit per second speeds. Let's get real. On what five G is going to be? But anyways. And then it's going to entice you to go to your provider and say, hey, I saw so-and-so with the Galaxy Note 20. Or I saw somebody with the Galaxy S21. Or whatever it may be, Pixel 5, whatever it may be. And you're going to be like, you know, I, I, I want to have that phone. You're going to upgrade. So having support for software to come to an older device is great. It's great. And I will never take that away from Apple. Big, big thumbs up for Apple for doing that. For, for caring enough to keep their old devices up to date. But there's also a reason why they do it. And they don't do it. They don't do it for the consumers. I did a, I did a video on YouTube a while back talking about how Apple shot themselves in the foot. And why Apple users aren't upgrading as frequently as Apple would assume they would. And that very reason is is that, you know, when you build what's considered to be an all-out, near-perfect phone, because I'm not going to say that all phones, that there is any particular phone that's perfect, but a near-perfect phone to a demographic of users, then they are less likely to feel the need to upgrade to a newer one when what they have still works for them. And that's where Apple really kind of shot themselves in the foot. You know, they were always wondering that. So, yeah, they had to keep their older devices up to date because they prided themselves on that for argument's sake when they would knock the other competitors. See, that's exactly where the bullet was fired from the, from, from the barrel and hit the foot of Apple. Is when in the past, in 2010, in 2011, in 2012, Apple did, if you guys don't remember, they did tout themselves for keeping their back catalog of devices up to date. That was one of their selling points that they just love to brag about. And it it came to bite them in the donkey hole in the end, because then later on down the road, they were wondering, why isn't anyone upgrading to the iPhone XR or the XS or the XS Max? Why are they still on iPhone 7s? Why are they still on, on iPhone tens? Why? Well, because you made a device really good to your demographic of users because you understand your Apple fanboy and fangirl so much that you made a nearly good, great phone for them that they didn't feel the need to upgrade. But, but, um, that loses revenue for Apple. If you're not buying the latest iPhones, they're not selling enough units, they're not making enough money. And so for that very reason, for that very, very reason right there, yeah, that's why the whole software update thing is just eh not really a good ground to stand on. Because afterwards they started making reasons for people to want to upgrade. You know, like acquiring Filmic Pro to only be exclusive to iPhones instead of all smartphones and, you know, just the the camera wars, which we'll we'll eventually get into on the podcast in the future. Camera wars. and 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 all those things so having people upgrade every year kind of negates the whole argument of six years of support don't happen okay not right there um let's go in into basically a free-for-all Because with with iOS, one of the main arguments that Android users love to point out is the fact that you can't really do much with iOS. You can't make it your own. You You can't feel like you're designing your own phone that's perfect for you. I mean, with iOS 14, they started to bring in widgets. And I know Android fanboys and fangirls, you guys stop it with all this. Welcome to, you know, 2007 or whatever. Or 2009 or 2010. Stop it. Though, I I love the fact that iOS has widgets now that you can put on your home screen. They've had widgets, but it was like in a dedicated space. Now you can put it anywhere on your home screen. And you can also hide applications that you don't necessarily want to delete, but you don't want it cluttering your home screen. Good on iOS 14 for that one. But I will say this, you know, for argument's sake, when it comes down to it, um, being able to personalize your device is in the eye of the beholder, Android users. Yes, as you guys see, I'm like shifting on Android now. Um, to somebody creating little folders that are specific to like Apple apps, and Google apps, utilities apps, games. That's customization right there. It may not be the customization that you think customization is, but it's still a form of customization. But Again, does anybody care? Does anybody care that you can put a launcher on top of your your home screen that completely changes it and makes the icons look spoofy cool and everything like that? No, no one really cares. Who's looking at your screen? majority of the time. Who is looking at your screen majority of the time? You are. So the guy that's sipping his Starbucks coffee while waiting for a cab to get to work doesn't give a bleep about what your home screen looks like because he's not looking at it you are you're looking at your home screen so why does anyone on ios have to feel like that they're missing out on something because you can customize your android phone and put launchers and icon packs and all kinds of things on your screen and they can't they're stuck with the same old boring screen they don't care they're not looking at your screen i'm not looking at your screen So get off that. (laughs) Get off that because it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's an irrelevant statement in the debate all by itself. It is. So. And I say to that. Let's let's kind of dead that one. Viruses and malware. Wow, this is a long, long episode today. Look, I'm going to say this right now. We know that Android is open source. We know that iOS is closed source. And when people are like go iOS because it's got the best security. There's no viruses. It's like do, do really do really people think that when 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 they develop Android, when they put out the operating system, it's like that jar in Dr. Mario with viruses everywhere? No. If okay, so if you were to like take like a jar and label it iOS and Dr. Mario, and you were gonna get another jar and label it Android and Dr. Mario. Right out, right out of just just right out of it being freshly baked, right out, right out of the developer's laboratory. Neither jar has viruses or malware in it. Neither. See the reason why that iOS kind of like tends to look like it's taking this argument debate point is because it goes back to the two things that are quintessential of the differences between the two operating systems. One is closed source, one is open source. So you can't just go and download an app for an iPhone online and just sideload it onto your iPhone easily. If there is a way to do that, you're definitely gonna have to jailbreak your iPhone to do that. On Android, you don't need to root your Android device. You don't need to modify anything about the operating system. You can sideload an app, simply downloading it from a specific source on the internet and then saving it to your downloaded folder on either an SD card or on the internal storage and then just going in there, clicking to install and then setting parameters to trust it and then install. Now, there are people out there, you know who you are. Those people, you know, you know who you are. You know who you are. You know what I'm talking about. Candy Crush. You know what I'm talking about. Candy Crush. Modded Candy Crush. Pokemon Go Joystickers. You know what you you know who you are. You wanna play that game that everyone's playing, but you wanna cheat. You just wanna cheat. And because you wanna cheat. You will download that modded APK file from the website that says, hey, unlimited moves on Candy Crush. You'll beat every level. You won't lose. There's no losing for you. There's just no losing for you. You want it. You know you want it. Because you want to be able to show off to your friends and like, you know, they're still like on like, you know, the the fifth world or something like that and, you know, You're like way steps ahead of them. Yeah. Anyways. Those. Those files. Sometimes contain malware. Those files contain a virus. You're installing it. You yourself are installing it onto your phone. So boom, boom, boom. That is the big difference and the only difference when it comes to security. You know, there's people that talk about iOS and be like, it's, it's, it's nigh impenetrable. Lies. How do you think celebrities get their iCloud accounts hacked? I mean, go talk to a maestro. Go talk to a maestro if you know one i mean they're not going to be out there they're not going to be like hey by the way you know like i I've, I've been into hacking all like like most of my adolescent years while my friends were going out you know losing their virginities i was in my in my basement in the dark room just like learning how to code and learning how to hack and all these things and yeah i'm a maestro they're not going to put it out there for everyone to know but if you know one ask them i'm sure they'll tell you like yeah it's possible it's way possible so when you talk about security security wise Nothing can be stolen from you on your iCloud. Nothing can be stolen from your iCloud drive. Uh, I beg to differ. You know, it looks looks easier to do on Android and it possibly is easier to do on Android because Android is open source, right? The source code files for Android, anyone can get it. I can get it. You can get it. If you want to build your own version of Android and flash it onto your smartphone, all you got to do is just grab the source code files, grab the source code files, start coding it out, start building it out, make sure it's compatible with your device, Flash it on there using a custom recovery and boom, you got your own, your own specific version of Android running on your smartphone. Simple as that. It's really not that simple. You really got to know what you're doing or you're going to F stuff up. But I'm just saying it's as simple as that. And so the argument about security really boils down to the user. I mean, if you jailbreak your iPhone to install an app that you think is going to help customize your iPhone and it just happens to have some sort of malicious software attached to it that you're unaware of, you've just infected your iPhone. Yeah, so is, is, is Apple iPhones really incapable of having, incapable of having a virus on it? Can anyone state that and don't give me this that you know well you know there's there's certain parameters that are ran on an iphone and that the security is going to like completely protect it no i'll tell you this if you're a person who's going to sit here and comment you know because i'm going to post this to youtube if you're going to comment that in the comments i ask you to stake a million dollars on it well let's get realistic stake a thousand dollars on it stake a thousand dollars on it and then let's let's run a test You put a $1,000 of your own money down and tell me 100% fact that an iPhone can never get a virus or malware on it, put that down and tell us why, and let's test it. And if you lose, if you lose, you donate the $1,000 to a charitable place. Okay? Simple as that. It's called putting your money where your mouth is. Simple as that. Okay? Is it easier to infect an Android device? Yeah, it is. It is easier. Duh, it's open source. But when people make this argument, case talking about that, like iPhones can never be infected by malware or viruses, like it, like 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 it just has this 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 amazing shield that's like level fifty shield that just blocks everything. Like, no, you're living a fantasy. You're literally living a fantasy. But anyways, that's all I have for this segment and this series. There will be more coming down later on down the road. If you guys enjoyed what I had to say in the podcast, if you listened to the first half and you listened all the way through to the second half, thank you so much for doing so. If you watched and listened to this on the first half on YouTube and the second half on YouTube, then, you know, um, hashtag Dr. Mario. And yeah, (laughs) I know that you listened to it on both ends, but, Um, All right, guys, that's it for today's segment. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening on your favorite podcast source. My name is Tito. This obviously is one for the books. But yeah, um, I'll talk to you on the next one. As always, aloha.